Thank you, brother. Well, I guess I called the right church. <laughs> you have donuts. <laughs> yeah, you have a sense of humor. You have prayer. You have good kids, great music, good Sunday school, good preaching, beautiful building. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm preaching tonight because uh, Pastor Cooper had pity and sympathy on me February 1st. We had the changeover at the church after 31 years of preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And Brother Cooper, thank you for the opportunity to do this. I, I think I was having spasms, and I think I was having seizures. I think I was, <laughs> it was getting bad. But uh, ever since February 1st, the Lord has allowed me to, to do some preaching out and uh, come to Marietta to see my grandkids and my daughter and my son-in-law. And uh, I was calling him to find out how far he was from where they live. And um, yeah, my first name is... Fidel, and but I go by F.M. Hughes because people would think that I'm I'm a Hispanic guy, and actually my mother's a little bit Indian. Uh, but that name Fidel, if you look it up, it's fidelity, Fidel. And anybody know what it means? Faithful, like Fidelity Bank, faithful. So if I can live up to my name, Brother Cooper, I'd be doing good. Uh, Thirty years ago, when I went to my church, uh, there was a lot of. Uh, Hispanic people from Mexico, Spain, El Salvador, uh, all of those South American countries in Arizona, and they were working in the orange groves, grapefruit, cotton, construction. And we had this large food bank at our church, which we still do. So they would come, and because we didn't ask questions, it was kind of like a rescue mission. They would come, and we would give them some food after we preached to them, a box of groceries. And so... For seven years, I preached through an interpreter and had a Spanish service after the English service. And I would walk into the room with all the Spanish folks in there, and I would say, Hola, my name is Pastor Fidel. And their eyes got this big. But I didn't know a word of Spanish. And I still don't know a word. Well, I did learn some Spanish. Coming from North Dakota, uh, getting to Arizona, I learned some Spanish. I learned taco. I learned enchilada, I learned burrito, fajita, <laughs> I learned all those important things. But uh, truly, um, my wife and I have been blessed by being here today. Um, at shake hands time today, uh, a little girl came up to my granddaughter, uh, and she was shaking hands, she had this cute little purse, and her name was Lydia, where's Lydia. Lydia, thank you for being so friendly and nice. And here's a little birthday present for you. I'll give it to the pastor. So that's going to be for your birthday. And uh, see, the Lord rewards you. sowed some kindness and you're friendly. And I thought she said, Lydia. I said, oh, Lydia. She goes, no, Lydia, L-Y-D-I-A. <laughs> Were all those kids from the same family? Wow, what a wonderful family. Well, I was born and raised in North Dakota. I uh, have a son in the military, in the Air Force, in Biloxi, Mississippi, at Keesler Air Force Base. He's an internal medicine doctor and a geneticist in the Air Force. Uh, and our daughter teaches in the Cobb County Public School System. Our son-in-law works from home, and I have no idea what he does. But uh, <laughs> have four grandkids, and uh, they've... Uh, 
are a real blessing to Mary and I, and like you said, you, that's a draw. So I think when we come to Marietta, we'll, we'll be, you'll be seeing us again. Well, take your Bibles tonight and go with me to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. And when you think and you pray about what to preach at a church you've not been to before, and I asked Brother... <clears throat> I said, uh, is there anything you'd like me to preach on? A certain topic, a series you have going, something that you would, uh, you know, a need the church maybe has to hear, hear something. And he said, brother, he said, you just preach what God lays on your heart. And so for the last two weeks, it's been this, the phrase sowing and reaping has, has just become sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. This morning I hear that there was 500 uh, flyers put out, door hangers put out, sowing the seed. And you can't go wrong sowing the seed. Amen? Because God's word never returns what? Void. And I thought that this morning, Brother Cooper, when you had all those visitors here this morning. God blesses the effort. You know, we, we sow, we sing that song, sowing in the morning, sowing in the evening, sowing in the noontime and the dewy eve. Because we want to bring our sheaves with us, don't we? We want to rejoice. And, and sowing's hard work. Growing up in North Dakota, I was, uh, you said you got all those people watching horse thieves and all that. Well, there's probably some rednecks from North Dakota watching too. Uh, do you have North Dakota people in the church? Is there anybody here in North Dakota? Yeah, what town? Harvey. Harvey, been there. Yeah. Uh, I was born and raised in North Dakota. And then uh, there's more connections in here, Brother Cooper, than you and I thought. Uh, the folks on the back row were members of Cornerstone Baptist, Pastor Terry Randolph, one of my best preacher friends in the world. And then they were also members with uh, North Valley Baptist, Brother Brent Loveless, another one of my friends. So uh, you didn't have to do those FBI background checks and fingerprints and all that. You could have just asked these people about me. <laughs> but I guess they all came back clean. <laughs> I'm clean as a whistle. I'm clean as a gum barrel. <laughs> I like this humor. It's just really good. So, sowing and reaping. I want us to look at some instances in the Bible of sowing and reaping that I, I believe the Lord can teach us tonight. Most of the illustrations and some of the parables in the Bible Jesus used, and people, they understood farming, they understood livestock, they understood working the land. So the references are sowing and reaping a lot of times in the word of God tonight. So in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 12, we see the beginning of creation, and we see that sowing and reaping is a law of the natural world. Look at Genesis 1 and verse number 12, if you would. And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. God commanded the earth to bring forth living plants bearing seed and fruit with seed in it. Would we not say tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that God is the master sower and the master reaper? Amen. So we see tonight that, that God, and then in verse 29, jump down to verse 29. 
God said, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, in the which the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat. So God gave it to man. God gave us it for food. And ever since the beginning, man has understood the process of sowing and reaping and has applied it to his benefit. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, tonight as we look at sowing and reaping, I want us to understand just some biblical principles and some some teachings from the Word of God on sowing and reaping. So let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight and ask Him to bless our service. Father, thank You for this wonderful church. Thank You for these gracious people, this pastor, Lord, that has, uh, Lord, invited and and taken me in, Lord, in, in my new ministry, and God, I just pray tonight that I could be a blessing to these people. Lord, your word doesn't return void. Help us to plant some seeds in the hearts of your people, and help us, Lord, to reap a blessing. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you now, and we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake, and all the people said, amen. Amen. Number one, if you take notes, I I have a few B's. Sometimes I use alliteration, sometimes I don't. But tonight, I have a few B's. The beginning of creation was number one. Number two, I want us to see that God uses the law of sowing and reaping for a blessing. For a blessing. Go with me to Genesis 26, 12. Genesis 26, 12. God uses sowing and reaping for a blessing. Genesis 26, and let's go to verse number 12, if you would. The Bible says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord, say it with me, blessed him. Blessed him. Sowing and reaping, God uses the law of sowing and reaping to bestow blessings on his people. Blessing comes to certain people. God blesses who he will, right? But also the Bible says, you don't have to turn there if you're writing this down, Matthew 5, 45. He sends rain and sunshine on the just and the unjust. So God blesses the whole world as you as as we see in that verse and in some cases god's blessings come to those he chooses isaac sowed a crop received a hundredfold in one season and you know the bible talks about some 30fold some 60fold some 100fold god wants to bless us i say this stay under the spout where the blessings come out And God will bless the socks off you. And sometimes we get blessed and we don't even realize it. Sometimes God's blessings are right in front of our face. And you know, it's sad because sometimes we take them for granted. Never take what God blesses you with for granted. Never take your husband, your wife, your children, your pastor, your church, your health, how good or bad it may be. (laughs) Right? (laughs) We shared our health woes. We have some of the same ailments. And, uh, you know, praise God, we're still able to serve God. Sowing and reaping in the beginning of creation, it's a blessing. Israel's gratefulness to God for their yearly blessing was expressed in the first 
the feast of the first fruits when the first of the harvest was brought to the Lord. And God warned Israel that if they forsook him and pursued idols, the law of sowing and reaping and his blessings would be suspended and their crops would even fail. We see that in Leviticus 26, 16. You don't have to turn there. And this did happen to Judah on a few times. So, ladies and gentlemen, we want to sow with the right heart attitude. We want to have clean hands and we want to bring in a good crop for God. We want to be vessels of honor. God uses us to sow. And a lot of times, sowing and reaping, we always think of it kind of in a, in a negative way, but there's a lot of positive things. I, I think of this church here being built 12 years ago, the pastor shared with me how people worked hard and, and gave and this building was built and they, they sowed here. And, and what, a, what a lighthouse in this community, in this neighborhood. What, what a lighthouse for God, sowing the word of God. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, the beginning of creation, when God put the bearing seed and the fruit with the seed in it, and then God blessed Isaac for sowing and God blesses everyone with sunshine and rain, the just and the unjust. And God uses the law of sowing and reaping in the spiritual world, not just in the physical world, in the spiritual world. It's more than just an agricultural principle. You see, it's really an axiom of life that we reap what we sow. Go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7, if you would please. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7. This is probably one of the most familiar verses that we hear on sowing and reaping. But it works two ways. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. The Bible says, be not deceived. Don't fool yourself. Don't trick yourself. You know, the biggest fool is the fool that fools himself. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Nobody ever pulls something over on God. God is not tricked or mocked. He's not made fun of. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So we see that this is a biblical principle. Number three, this is a biblical principle. And... There's natural consequences to our actions, but there's spiritual consequences to our actions. The world operates under the law of cause and effect. There's no way around it, young people. What action, when we choose an action, we choose the consequences for it. And boy, that's why you have to be thinking all the time of what you're going to do, what you're going to say. You need to be thinking... I have this little saying, Pastor Cooper, in my head a lot of times, Lord, please help me not to say or not to do something I have to say I'm sorry for, whether to him or to anybody else. And boy, you know, there's times when people say things to us that, that we just want to shoot back because preachers, they're wordsmiths. We can cut them down with our words if we want to. Uh, I remember about 12 years ago, uh, Pastor Cooper, I was a bigger man and, and than I am now. And uh, 
I wanted to go and lose some weight, so I went on Weight Watchers. And uh, this one man in the church, before I did, he said, I'll give you $10 a pound for every pound you lose, and I'll buy you one of these elliptical exercise machines. And I said, brother, that's awful nice. He said, but there's one condition, Pastor Hughes. You have to pay me back 20 bucks for every pound you gain back. I said, oh, no, I ain't falling into that trap. Uh-uh. No, 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 that can cost me a lot of money. So I decided to go to Weight Watchers, brother, and there was 30 women and one man. And I had to weigh in in front of those 30 women. And I made my wife come with me. So it took me about 18 months. I lost 100 pounds. And I'm still big because you imagine how big I was. I was one of the biggest preachers in town. And you know what? I walked down the island church one day, and that guy comes up to me, and he says, Brother Cooper, he says, well, I see you got over the sin of gluttony. I thought to myself, what do I come back with? What do I come back with? I didn't want to sow any more sarcasm and get something going. That's why any action that we have, we have to realize there's consequences for it. I didn't want to say something I'd be sorry for. I didn't want to say something I'd have to apologize to him for or to the Lord. We reap what we sow. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? When we reap what we sow, you remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Are we reaping what they sowed? By one man's sin, sin passed upon all men, for all men have sinned. And are we not reaping the benefits of the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross and dying for our sin? By one man's sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, all men, it's his will that all come to repentance, that none should perish. We're reaping the benefits of what Jesus Christ did for us. We're reaping what Adam and Eve did. We have the inherited sin nature. You see, sowing and reaping is a law of the spiritual word. It's a biblical principle, and there's no way around it. Number four, sowing and reaping implies a weight. Go with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, if you would. James chapter 5. You know what was the best part about losing that 100 pounds, Brother Cooper? Gaining it back. (laughs) I I went to every buffet in town. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) James chapter (laughs) 5. You guys, the sense of humor has got me going. My wife's going to tell me, oh, what you said about my wife coming up to sing a special? When we got married 43 years ago and we got saved, we met, I was 17, she was 18. We got saved, I was 18, she was 19. And she said this 43 years ago. She says, I will do anything in church. I will do the nursery, I'll teach children, I'll clean. The only thing I won't do is sing a special. (laughs) God has a sense of humor too, doesn't he? So one time, I, I, I shouldn't say I made her sing a special. I said, honey, if you love me, will you sing a special? She did it twice, her first and her last. 
James 5 and verse number 7. James 5 and verse number 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, that's the gardener, that's the planter, the farmer, if you would, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Verse 8. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So my B for this one would be biding our time waiting to reap. Biding our time. You plant something, does it come up overnight? No. In North Dakota, my grandpa was a farmer, and when I was 11, I got on a tractor, and we had a plow we pulled up, then we dropped it, and he wanted the furrows to be straight, and we were plowing, and then we'd plant, and the planting season, depending on when the snow melted in North Dakota, you could either get in the field maybe the end of April, 1st of May, and start plowing and planting, and then June, July, and August were your growing season, and then depending on how much rain and sunshine you got in those three months of summer with the wheat and the potatoes and, and the corn and all that, you would maybe, the earliest you could start harvesting could be the end of August when the wheat would come up and the heads would be full or or go into September, and then if you got early frost or you got a lot of rain, it was too muddy in the fields, you might have to go first week if it was potatoes or sugar beets. But you had to wait for the harvest. And boy, people were waiting and waiting, just saying, okay, we need rain, we need good sunshine, we need this crop to come up. But we need to bide our time while we're here. The Bible says, occupy till I come. And... Things, I don't know about you, but my wife and I have been praying for our relatives to be saved. We prayed for her mother for 37 years, and she got saved. And we're just waiting and waiting and waiting, planting seeds. You know, nothing grows overnight, and things just don't happen immediately. A farmer is patient, and he sees the fruit of his labors, And when the Bible likens the ministry to planting and watering and reaping, go to 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, if you would. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6. Not only are we waiting for the harvest, we're waiting for the Lord of the harvest. How many believe Jesus is coming back? And he could come back today. We believe in an imminent return. It could happen in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. But we're waiting, and while we're waiting, and while we're watching, ladies and gentlemen, we are working. We are working for his honor and glory. 1 Corinthians 3, and let's look at verse number 6, if you would, please. 1 Corinthians, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. There's a length of time here. Some plant, some water, but ultimately, it's God who gives the increase. It's God who gives the increase. You see, we faithfully labor in his field. And the Bible says that at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. Let's go there. Galatians 6 and verse 9. You know, sometimes we get discouraged and we aren't seeing what we think God should do. But in his time, in his time, Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9, the Bible says, 
and let us not be weary in well-doing. I don't know about you, but Pastor Cooper, sometimes we can get tired in the work, but we never get tired of the work. And some Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, everybody's worked all week, including the pastor and the members, and we're tired. But we know that it's God's will and God wants us to continue and not get weary. It says here, look at it. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. A lot of people quit. A lot of people aren't as faithful as they should be. At our church, I had this little saying, one for fun, two won't do, and three to, fr- <laughs> three to thrive. And you say, what does that mean? Well, a lot of folks like to come Sunday morning. And some will come Sunday night. But praise God for the people that come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. The few, the faithful. And that's one of God's requirements. It's required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. So that's why God said, don't be weary in well-doing because you will reap in due season if you faint not. You know, we've had people pass out in church, health, blood pressure, bottom out. We've had people had heart attacks in our church. Call 911, paramedics come in. And they didn't get faint or they didn't pass out because they had a spiritual problem. They had a physical problem. But you know what? They were there. What a testimony. One guy says, if I have to drag myself into church, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to get weary in well-doing. I'm going to do what God wants me to do until he takes me home. And you know what? God uses sowing and reaping but it implies a weight. Don't give up. Go to Psalm 126. Go to Psalm 126 and verse 5. Psalm 126 and verse 5. I've planted a rose bush for my wife, and I don't know if I didn't water it enough. I don't know if I watered it too much. I don't know if the 115-degree Arizona heat was too much on it. I don't know if the soil was bad, but it died. Then I put another one in, and that one died. And I'm frustrated because she likes roses. And I thought, I wonder if there's something else I could plant there. But whatever you plant, that's what you get. Amen? And I'm weary in planting rose bushes. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. When I'm in North Dakota next, I'm going to get some of that soil, that Red River Valley black gumbo moist soil. It has some of the richest soil in the world in the Red River Valley. That's why they call the Red River Valley, where I'm from, the breadbasket of the world. More wheat is produced there, and you can attest to that being from Harvey, More wheat is produced there than than almost anywhere else in the world. And North Dakota exports so much of that wheat. That's why Arizona is full of North Dakota farmers in the winter because of their farming and the good money they get for their crops. I'm going to bring that soil back and I'm going to plant seed in good soil. I think there's something in the Bible about good soil. The sower went out to... So, 
And some of the seed fell by the wayside. Some of the seed fell on thorny ground. And it, what's that? Choked. And some of the seed fell on rocky ground. That's the hard-hearted one. But praise God, some seed went on what? Fertile soil. And it brought forth fruit. Yeah, the seed that we plant, you know, really, the kind of soil that it goes on, that's really not up to us. That's re- we need to keep our soil broken up, break up the fallow ground. We need, to have, we need to be good ground hearers every time we hear the word. But when we go out to sow the word of God, every track you guys put, the DeSantis family, the members, every door that you got, really, it's our responsibility to sow the seed. What they do with the seed is God's responsibility. He said it won't return what? Void. It will accomplish that which he sets it out. You know, when you preach too, it's like this. Some people get mad, glad, or sad. Some accept, some reject. Look at the thieves on the cross. One said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The other one said, if you be God, come down there and save yourself. Same reaction today, brother. Same reaction. But I'm not responsible how they respond. I'm responsible just to give them the seed. I'm responsible to sow the seed. And even if I don't see results right away, God always blesses the effort. God always blesses the effort. So sowing and reaping implies a wait. We need to bide our time, occupy till he comes, waiting for that. Psalm 126 and verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Have you ever cried over somebody that was lost and you envisioned them dying without Christ and going to hell? Sowing in tears you shall reap in joy. Verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, if you've had the privilege of leading someone to Christ, that's the, one of the most blessed things Amen. that I've done in my life was lead someone to Christ. And being a soul winner, it's not easy. And you can get weary, but you'll reap if you faint not. Keep witnessing and be a good witness. And ask God to give you opportunities to witness. In our church, I just tell the people, visitation is 24-7. We put a track in the bulletin. I say, pass that track to your neighbor. Pass it to the guy at the, at the auto shop. Put it to the grocery store, the gas station. Give a track witness. Well, this one lady, Mrs. Romero, <clears throat> took her minivan into a transmission shop. And her minivan transmission was slipping. And the mechanic, or the manager of the shop says, uh, Ma'am, we won't be able to get your van fixed for probably two weeks. Our head transmission mechanic is out. He's at the hospital visiting his brother. He's dying. So Mrs. Romero says, Oh, which hospital? I'll have my pastor go visit him. So the manager of the transmission shop gives her the name and the hospital of where the head mechanic was visiting his brother who's dying. So she gives it to me. 
So we go up to the hospital, guys from the church, and we walk into ICU, and Brother Cooper, they're laying in the bed with this big beard, and he had the sheet off him, and he had these Harley wings tattooed on his chest. Here he was a hell's angel. His name, code name was Big Heart. His girlfriend had poisoned him. And in the way, see, ICU waiting room was Big Heart's brother, sister, other brother, and mother, weeping and crying. And we said, is there anything we can do for you? Oh, just pray for him. Pray. Okay, we can pray for him. Well, long story short, he died. The mother called up the church and said, he's dead. He died. Would you come? The hell's angels have, have claimed his body, and they are in control of the funeral. But, but I'd like you to come and say a few words at his funeral. I said, okay. So I, I had no idea what I was getting into. I went to the funeral home, and my wife was with me. She stayed in the car. It was just packed, packed. And I made my way up, and there was the mother, the sisters, the brothers sitting on the front pew. And I I looked up, and I saw a Hells Angels chaplain at the podium. And he saw me, and all of a sudden he says, there's no room in here to do anything or conduct anything. We're going to the graveside. And the graveside was real close to our church. The great cemetery was kind of even close to where I lived. So I went out and I was walking to the car. I had my suit on. So I was like a target, okay? And there was a girl in leathers with a video camera like this, standing on this little wall. And I walked by her going to my car and she goes, isn't this great? Isn't this great? Clubs from all over the United States came for this. Isn't this great? And I said, oh. And she goes, are you with the funeral home? And I said, no, I'm Pastor Hughes. The family asked me to say a few words. I said, who are you? And she says, I'm Stu's girlfriend. I said, who's Stu? He's the Hells Angels chaplain. I said, would you ask your boyfriend, Stu, if Pastor Hughes could say a few words for Big Heart at the request of the family? She goes, Sure. So I get to this graveside, and there's 800 Hells Angels, motorcycles, and it's crowded. I get up where his motorcycle is, where the casket is, and Stu, the Hells Angel chaplain, had this megaphone and this little amplifier, and he's saying, gather around her. And I walk up, and I said, I'm, because I know who you are, and you know, I don't have time for you. These guys got to catch planes, get back to their clubs. We don't got no time. And I thought to myself, God orchestrated this so I could plant a seed and all these hell's angels. I'm not going to let this fly. I said, if you're any kind of man of God, which he wasn't, but the reason I believe the hell's angels have a chaplain is for when they're in prison, they can come in and they can talk confidentially. That's my opinion. So I said, if you're any kind of a man of God, and he had a a cross on his, on his colors and on his vest. I said, you'll give me five minutes with these guys. Five minutes. And he put the mic in my hand. Now I had the mic, Brother Cooper, but I didn't know what I was going to say. So I said, Lord, help me. You orchestrated this of my preaching, telling our people in church to witness and to plant seeds. So here, here, here it is. Hundreds of them, hundreds I said, I never drank beer with Big Heart. I never rode motorcycle with Big Heart, but I prayed for Big Heart. 
You hell's angels, your brothers, your blood brothers. You would take a bullet for each other. But I want to tell you today about somebody that has a bigger heart than big heart who died for you, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. All of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, brother, this one hell's angel started walking like this towards me. Then all of a sudden, on the back of my neck, I felt this breath. You can't talk to these guys this way. Shut it down. So I was really in a pickle. Had a guy coming at me, the bad breath chaplain Hills Angel here telling me, you can't talk to these guys this way. What would you have done, Brother Cooper? Run, right? <laughs> I, 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 I decided... When that guy got within a few feet, I'm just, I got to wrap this up. So I quickly gave the plan of salvation. I couldn't do a heads bowed, eyes closed invitation like I would like to. But when the guy got to me, he grabbed me. And he bear hugged me, but not to take me out. And then everybody clapped. Here, they liked what I said. Was seeds planted that day? Sure they were. And like he said today, You'll never know until you get to who you reached. Like you said, you hang something on somebody's door. And they don't even come to church, but they read the track and they got saved. Fruit that abounds to your account. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping implies a weight. And... Ladies and gentlemen, we reap proportionately to what we sow. The more seed planted, the more fruit harvested. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. God is a benevolent rewarder. Benevolent. He's generous. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Second Corinthians 9, 6. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Those who show generosity... Those who, who reap bountifully will reap generously and get more back. The principle, I believe here, isn't so much about the amount, in, in even in, if we apply this to our giving, but the spirit in which it's given. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you don't have to turn there, well, just jump down. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. It doesn't matter. And, and we could go to, anybody remember an old lady that was bringing her money to the treasury and the Lord was watching? What, what was her name? First name was Widow, her last name was Might. <laughs> kind of like that Sunday school teacher. Yeah. It starts with the G and ends with gloriously. <laughs> That's the guy in the sound booth, right? Yeah. The widow's might. 
he saw what she gave, but he said everybody else gave more than she gave, but she really gave more than, because she gave what? All she had. So it doesn't matter how much you give, just give your all. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, doeth it heartily as unto the Lord. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to reap proportionately to what we sow. Amen. And the Lord noticed the widow's might. Little blessings or a lot of blessings, what do you want? God is benevolent. And it's God's grace that gives us anything. My cup runneth over. And sometimes we think we deserve more than we get. Really, we don't deserve anything but hell. But by God's grace, we're saved through faith. Not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not only is the sowing and reaping is benevolent, but God allows us to reap more than what we sow. That's bountiful. We talked about that, some 30, some 60, some 100. And one grain of wheat produces a whole head of wheat, of grain. And in the same way, a little lie, a little sin, a little leaven can leaveneth the whole lump. We reap more than we sow. You sow the wind, you reap the the whirlwind. You You reap a harvest that you don't want. You see, ladies and gentlemen, one kind deed can result in a blessing that lasts a lifetime. There was one of our members in the hospital. They were laying there in the hospital bed, and it was a room that had two patients. And they brought this woman in, and she had, I don't know if it was cystic fibrosis, or she had a lung disease. She was in her 60s, and she was having a hard time breathing. Her name was Edna. And the person in the bed next to her said, Hi, Edna. If you ever get out of here, come visit our church. It's on Ellsworth Road. We'll pray for you. Edna, oxygen, hardly breathing. Okay, I will. Lo and behold, Edna got out of the hospital. Edna comes to church. First time she was there on a Sunday night. was preaching. I'll remember this the rest of my life because of what happened. She walks down the aisle. I want to be saved. My, was it you, Mary, that led Edna to the Lord? We have personal workers over here, personal workers here. My wife just happened to be next in line there. I said, Mary, would you lead Edna to the Lord? Edna got gloriously saved. I mean saved. Saved, saved, saved. Her sins were all gone. And she was happy. So fast forward about three years. Edna dies. Edna never missed Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Her husband was Emil, and he was a big German. They were from Wisconsin, and they had, he had retired. He was a union electrician, and they built a brand-new home with a swimming pool in a nice retirement community. We're in East Mesa, bordering Apache Junction, huge snowbird country. Had a lot of seniors in our church. So Emil comes to the church the day after Edna had died, 
and he throws a packet of papers on the desk of the secretary. Here, she would have wanted you to have this. We opened it up. It was the deed to their house. He goes, when I go toes up, it's yours. I'm, that was the words. I'm not, not ad-libbing here. And I said, oh, okay. Long story short, he went toes up. The deed, it was deed upon death. Automatically transferred into the church's coffers. $300,000 house. That little seed that was planted in the hospital that got Edna to church, that little seed that was planted in Edna's heart at church, Edna got saved. Now, East Mesa Baptist has housing allowance for the pastor for years. You reap more than you sow. Nobody went after Edna because somebody said, hey, if she gets saved, she's going to give her house to you. And Emo wasn't saved. But Edna was so thankful for her salvation and so happy about her salvation. In her little heart of hearts, that's the least she could do. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? We reap more than we sow. One kind deed can result in a lifetime of blessing or it can result in an eternity for the lost person to be in heaven. Last but not least, and this may be my favorite B. <laughs> it says behave. No. <laughs> Number seven, sowing and reaping in the Bible is used as a metaphor for the death, burial, and resurrection of the believer. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 42. When Paul discussed the doctrine of the resurrection of the body, he used the analogy of planting a seed to illustrate physical death, if you would. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 42. 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body, our glorified body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. You see, the seed may die when it goes in the ground, ladies and gentlemen, but that's not the end of its life. John 12, 24 tells us this. John 12, 24, talking about the seed that dies in relation to our physical body after death. Look at it. John 12 and verse 24. <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die... It bringeth forth much fruit. You see, ladies and gentlemen, talking about our bodies, and thank God we're going to get a new body someday. won't be susceptible to disease and be a glorified body. It'll be a, an eternal body. And as we 
think of the idea of sowing and reaping in the Bible, I want to leave you with this thought. Some plant, some water, the lady in the hospital that invited her, my preaching, the word of God that convicted the word of God, were saved by the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. The Holy Spirit convicting the person that led her to the Lord. You see, ladies and gentlemen, some plant, some water, but what? God gives the increase. God gives the increase. We are working for God together for his honor and his glory. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Don't get tired. Keep planting. The harvest is coming. The Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. I'm assuming everybody here tonight is saved. I'm assuming everyone here tonight has been sowing. And I'm assuming everyone tonight wants to reap the blessings of God in your own life and in your church. So tonight, what do you need to be doing to be laboring in this field? Are you sowing to the wind to reap the whirlwind? Are you sowing to the flesh? Are you sowing to the spirit? Because be not deceived. Don't fool yourself. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Personally, I want to reap good things in my life. I want to reap souls for my labors. I want to be faithful. It's required in stewards a man be found faithful. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? Someday I want to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Be a good farmer, be a good planter, be a waterer, be a prayer warrior, be a good church member. Be the best Christian you can be for Jesus Christ and you will reap good things in your life. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight, you're here and you'd say, Brother Hughes, I want to reap some good things in my life. And if I'm going to reap some good things in my life, Brother Hughes, I know I'm going to have to plant some good things. Why not ask the Lord right now? Ask the Lord right now what he wants you to start planting. Maybe you're planting and somebody else needs to water what you've planted. Sometimes we build on others' labors. Sometimes we pick up where somebody else left off. Maybe you need to plant some prayers. Maybe you need to plant some seeds of giving your tithe and offerings. And God says he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there wouldn't be room enough to receive it. I don't know how God's speaking to your heart tonight, friend. But as the pianist comes to play for the invitation, you're here and you would say, I need to start planting some things. God spoke to my heart tonight. 